Norman, are you coming? Norman, you're reading our scripture for us this morning. You can stand right there. I'll give you the microphone. You read it right off the screen. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts in behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she died. After they washed her body, they laid her in an upstairs room. Since Lydia was <coughs> near Joppa, one of the disciples heard that Peter was there. They sent two people to Peter. They urged, please come right away. Please, Peter went with them. Upon his arrival, he was taken to the upstairs room. All the widows stood beside him, crying as they showed the tunics and other clothing Dorcas made while she was alive. <coughs> Peter sent everyone out of the room, then knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tobitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. The news spread through Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon. Thank you. Thank you. That is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. We have one of the things I wanted, now the kids are gone. Um, one of the things I've been wanting to do with the kids um, instead of giving them candy is I wanted to start collecting the gold, gold dollar coins. And so every time I go to the bank, of course, they never have them. So any of you, if you want to help with that collection, so each month, instead of giving them candy, I'd give them one of the, the gold silver or the gold dollar coins. Um, please let me know. I'll be happy to buy some from you and pay for them. But uh, I think that would be kind of, that seems like a fun little treat. Then they can go spend that on whatever they want. And uh, it's kind of nice sometimes to get those coins instead of the dollar bills. But, um, but we, we are continuing in our series, Be the Church, as we look at the book of Acts. And, uh, and, and this week we get to an interesting story of, of Peter and, 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 and Peter's raising someone from the dead. But, but today I don't want to focus on Peter. I want to focus on, on the woman that he raised from the dead. I want to focus on Tabitha and, and, and talk about that. Before we get there, there was a peanut, there's a Peanuts cartoon that shows Peppermint Patty talking to Charlie Brown. And Peppermint Patty says, guess what, Chuck? It's just the first day of school. And I just got sent to the principal's office, and it's all your fault. Charlie Brown responds, my fault? How could it be my fault? Why do you say everything is my fault? Peppermint Patty replies, you're my friend, aren't you, Chuck? Then you should have been a better influence on me. <laughs> Today we're talking about influence, and the influence that we have, and the possibility of the influence that we have on our neighbors, and we have on our community, which is part of that theme of be the church as we walk through the book of Acts together. And the, and the fact that it is important for us to, to be a positive influence on people around us. 
just like the balls in the picture of the model called Newton's Cradle. Many of you are familiar with this. Every, every ball interacts with each other to make things work. And the swinging balls have influence and impact on each other. Whether they intend to or not, we have an influence. And we have an impact on those around us and, and on what happens. Of course, I can't see this without thinking of the, the I believe it's a far side cartoon that talks about te- teachers on playground duty. This is why science teachers shouldn't be given playground duty. <laughs> as they take the same theory to the swing set. But throughout Acts, we see Luke sharing the story of the early church. We see that, that he is coming in and he is sharing with them and, and talking about how they are influencing the world for Christ after the resurrection. They start in Jerusalem and they go out to Samaria and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And, and we're kind of at that point in the book of Acts where we're starting to get now to the ends of the earth. We're getting now to the end of their known earth at the time and, and where their influence was. And so we see many great things happening as faith in Jesus is, is getting more and more real and p- more and more people are coming to faith and more and more people are being influenced by that and the power of the Holy Spirit is using people to, to talk to others, to influence others. And so we find that, that at some point in the city of Joppa, there's this lady named, named Tabitha, or her Greek name is Dorcas, that, that she is known by these two names and she is under the influence of God's power. She has come to know Christ. And she is now using that as an influence to talk to others around her. The important thing to remember is is that as we read the book of Acts, and as we see what the disciples are doing, and we see what people like Dorcas are doing, and Tabitha, Tabitha Dorcas, I don't want to call you Dorcas, so Tabitha, (laughs) but I don't want to keep saying Tabitha because I don't want to be preaching at you. (laughs) means a little different these days than it did back then in the Greek, right? But, But Tabitha... Was, was influential. And so the same power and the same activity that we see in the early church is still power and activity that we can connect into and power and activity that we have that can be an influence through us as we influence those around us. And so this morning, we're going to look at the life of Tabitha a little bit, and we're going to look at the life of our church and look at how, how those, those kind of intersect. And so we're looking at the sacrificial life of Tabitha. And in verse 36, we read, In Joppa, by the way, where have we heard the city Joppa before? Jonah, right? That's where Jonah goes to get on the ship to flee from God. It's one of the only few places that Joppa is mentioned. But in Joppa, there was a, a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. Right off the bat, we are introduced to this amazing lady. And, we're introduced, and there's a reason why both names are listed here. Okay? You need to understand that, that in Joppa, being, being a, a port city, that there is influence from, the, from those who speak Aramaic in the Jewish community and those who speak Greek. And, and usually, in most cases, you spoke one or the other, and, and you did your best to interact the rest of the way. But, but it is very important to notice the fact that they mention both of her names because, because what that implies to us is that she had influence over, over the Jewish Aramaic-speaking people and over the Greek-speaking people. Because you don't see that much else in the book of Acts. You don't see much else, where else in the book of Acts, except for Saul and Paul. You don't see that listed much else. And so that's, that's an important thing to note, if you're one of those people who like to note those, those little nuances of why they're in there. But Tabitha, in her name, and in both languages, her name meant gazelle, signifying that she was to be a woman possessing the characteristics of awareness, Agility, beauty, and grace. All our Tabitha exhibits for us every day here. She lives up to her name. 
And so, and so we have, have this woman who, who, is, who is full of life, full of the Spirit, sharing God's word, looking out for those around her. Tabitha's story was, was a familiar one in the early church. She believed that the best way to show her faith in Christ was by putting it into action. Jesus was the example of putting faith into action. And then the disciples were going around putting their faith into action. And so she wholeheartedly believed that when you were spirit-filled, then you were called to put your faith into action and, and show it and do things to show the gods of love, the, to show um, God's love. And so she was spirit-filled and she was spirit-led. Galatians 5, 22-23 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I memorized it in Bible quizzing when I was in high school, and I like to just rattle it real fast, so I had to slow myself down for you. But we believe that every follower of God, that, that when you are a follower of God, these traits, these fruits of the Spirit start to fill your life. And, and as they fill your life, they should show in your life. And they should show by the things that you do and the things that you say and the ways that you act and, and, and the way that you deal with other people. And that the power of the Holy Spirit just, just takes over that stuff that was the sinful nature in you and, and slowly starts to, to build that and, and push that out. Tabitha bore the fruit of the Spirit through her service to the poor, especially to the Jewish and Gentile widows of Joppa. She sacrificially gave her time, she gave her resources, she gave herself, she gave whatever was needed to help meet the spiritual needs, the emotional needs, the physical needs of those around her. For Tabitha, being good meant doing good. She knew that, that she could do and, and be good, and, and, and she was very good at it and helping, and so she wholeheartedly served the Lord and served the people. I almost feel like I'm giving a funeral <laughs> eulogy for Tabitha here. <laughs> Sorry, those things that go in my head. Um, but there's a couple scriptures that we read later uh, that, that I'm sure Tabitha would have known and, 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 and would have been in full agreement that these scriptures, and this is how she tried to live her life. In James 2, verses 14 to 17, the Apostle James writes, My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. And then, and then the Apostle John writes in 1 John, This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for other brothers and sisters. But if someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but refuses to help, how can the love of God dwell in a person like that? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. You see, the Roman Empire was set up to, to look like a peaceful society. It was set up to, to come in and, and, and take over and just rule with an iron fist. They were not, however, set up to, for social welfare programs. They were not set up to take care of the poor and take care of the needy. The empire provided very little material and, and social help for the aged, for the poor, for the widowed, for the physically disabled. Each person, if you were in that category, you pretty much had to fend for yourself. And, and, and you know what it's like, that if you have something wrong and you have to fend for yourself, you're not the first one in line usually. That meant that a lot of people fell through the cracks in that day. Many had to beg. 
Many had to hire themselves as indentured servants. Many of them had to do far worse to hire themselves out just to make a living so that they, so that they could have food and take care of their family. Sadly, many people died during those times of starvation, of exposure to weather, and a lack of just basic medical care. That is where early Christians like Tabitha came in, where Tabitha saw that, that all this was happening and saw that there were people who needed to be taken care of. And so she decided that, that it was our job as Christians to do that, to provide for them. Tabitha knew one thing. She knew how to sew clothes. She knew how to sew and put things together. And so she would sew clothes for those who needed clothes, but she also took the widows and took others and would teach them how to sew. As I was writing that, I was thinking of Sue Hayden. Sue Hayden, I mean, she sewed that great quilt on the back wall. Many of you have gotten baby quilts. But, but lately, but lately, Sue's been working on a project, and I didn't even ask her about this ahead of time, so I'm just putting her on the spot. Um, but, but many of you know Jamie, who comes here, and she works in the, in the youth center with, with some of the at-risk kids. And, uh, and, and what was the need that she had, that your sewing project? So... Yeah, so a lot of these kids are forced from their homes or they're running from their homes and they don't have much and, and all they have is, is basically a garbage bag that their supplies fit in. And so, so Sue heard her t- was talking to her one time and Sue has all this extra cloth at her house and so she's making little bags so they can actually have a cloth bag or tote of some kind instead of just a plastic garbage bag. I know that at First Presbyterian Church, they have a group of ladies who sew, and they, they take pillowcases, and they sew them and, and, and put them together to make them little dresses, and they send them to third world countries like Haiti so that, so that those little girls can have, have just those basic little dresses. But that's what Tabitha was doing. She was, she was helping supply and, and sew things, but she was also teaching the widows and, and those who needed how to do some of this stuff so that they could then sell and make a living off of it. That's why it's important in the scripture when, when Norman read it and talked about that Peter came up to the house, to the room where Tabitha was, and the widow showed her, showed him the tunics and things that were there. Those were the things that they were using to help supply what they needed. And so she was there to help the poor and the needy. She was looking out for those around her that needed that extra little touch and needed that extra little experience in their lives. She not only helped by providing money and food and clothing, but she interacted with them and she shared God's love with them and shared the story of Jesus and his resurrection with them as well. That she was there not only helping provide physical need, but she was providing a spiritual need as well. And many came to faith in Jesus Christ because of her. How do we show that same kind of attitude in our church? How do we show that kind of attitude in the church around us? We are challenged by the same words of, of James and John to, to go out and help those in need. And, and, and I don't know, I, I say go out and help those in need, but we have people in our own church family that we need help too. And so I just, in general, say out and help, but, but most of the time you hear me say help those inside our church family and help those outside our church family to help signify that a little bit. How can we as a church reveal that the fruits of the Spirit are showing in our life and, and showing in the life of our church as we, as we go out and share with others? Well, I had a good friend of mine, Gary O'Neill. He attends a church in the Seattle, Washington area in, in Kent, Washington. And he sent me a video that, that is a way that their church in, in Seattle is, is starting to try to help with some of the immigration and some of the Muslim people who are coming into their community. And, uh, and they do a community, they, they, they tore up a third of their parking lot and made it a community garden. 
that these immigrants can come and, and, and take care of and, and provide and get food from. But they also have a very, very interesting class that they do. So, so Pastor Ed. <laughs> it's okay. It's so nice. Uh, my name is Morsal. <laughs> so the Afghan women, um, because they're the, they're the group of people that are most vulnerable in terms of being pre-literate, um, that means illiterate in their own language, a lot of them, um, they often tend to be very isolated. And so they feel depressed or separated from other members of the community because in Afghanistan they, w they would have community with other women, they would have a chance to get together, but here, because of the language barrier and the, the difficulty taking public transportation and childcare, it's really hard to get together with other women. So this class was a way to address not only the community building and friendships, but also learning a skill. As a profession, I'm an interior designer, but I've also worked in the sewing industry. Um, my background is a national educator for the Singer Sewing Machine Company. But on a typical day, we would begin with vocabulary, um, holding up different items and, you know, teaching them the names of let's say pincushion or scissors or rulers or, or whatever. The class and the lessons <coughs> and projects were all built on step by step by step. So in the beginning, the first project was very simple. We had, I had prepared strips of fabric and we were just gonna practice sewing straight. And then we made a simple pillow out of it. Um, then the next class added another technique and so then there was more English to learn with that. I think one of the most amazing things about this class has been the mutual transformation of both sides. So the volunteers, the people um, from the church and from other world relief um, volunteers who have really not interacted with women one-on-one, -on -one, especially Muslim women, um, and so they have never had that one-on-one -on -one relationship. But this class um, coming in and volunteering and helping someone um, get on the sewing path or helping them with threading the machine and do that one-on-one -on -one interaction, it has changed um, lives on both sides. Well, m my life did not involve any contact with anyone who was of the Muslim faith. And um, I, I really had a lot of apprehensions about it, if I were to be honest about it. Because, you know, you have a, you know, I had sort of a fear of what I didn't know. So this has been such an eye-opener for me. Sorry, I'm going to lose it. These women could not be any sweeter. It's been such a pleasure working with them, um, non-American. They have such a gratitude and they, they don't expect that they, people owe them things. And it's been wonderful to work with them. They're so grateful. And, um, و ما بسیار از استاد خود و کسایی که امروز استاد ما کاری میکنه بسیار خوش هستیم به خاطر که ما را زیاد یعنی زیاد زیاد کمک کردن و بخصوص استاد جنین Some class I like it and I like the sewing the the, the different different things like bags everything I like yeah very very college just and it is the mission of World Relief 
to empower the local church to stand with the vulnerable. And I can't think of a better example than this particular collaboration and partnership. Kent Hillside Church had the space and they had the volunteers and they had the willing people. They just needed a way to know how to stand with the vulnerable. It's the church doing its work. And that's how it should be. They're be engaging the community, providing a need in the community. It's the church at its best. And that's what World Relief is about, is that we are here to equip and, stand, and help the local church to stand with the most vulnerable. And this is, I think, one of those great examples. So remember, as we go through this series on Acts, we're trying to, trying to show you what other churches are doing. We're trying to talk about things that we are doing and trying to give you guys books uh, with our book of the month to try to help maybe inspire you and, and give you some dreams and visions. And so what does this look like for us at the Sunrise family? We have great things going on within our church family, great things that we are part of, and I've asked a few people to, to come and share, and Sarah, you're closest. So Sarah, if you would come on up first, and then maybe if um, the other, if Kate and and Susan, if you'd just move up here to the front at this time and be ready to go when she's finished. I work with a group of ladies that are like this Dorcas or Gazelle or Tabitha. Ladies that have a heart that want to do something for others. And so uh, we are our senior adult ministry coordinators. We've tried to be called different things, but... Hopefully we're zeroing, zeroing in on SAM, Senior Adult Ministry. So if you see it in your bulletin, if you see it up on the screen, that's those that are 50 and over. And that doesn't limit you to 50 and over because we that are 50 and over have children in our home, have grandparents, have parents that we're raising, those that are hurting, maybe those that are handicapped and need things. But we are here to minister to you in whatever way we can. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says, let us consider now how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So we in Wyoming know what a spur is, don't we? So it's not like we're just lollygagging. We want to spur each other on toward love and good deeds. So as senior citizens, as those that are over 50, we want to encourage you and be there for you in whatever ways we can. Right now, we eat together once a month. Once is in uh, the church, so we will have a meal here, and we've had tacos, or, and you bring the toppings, or baked potatoes, or lasagna. We've had all sorts of things. We do that once a month, and then the next month, we eat out, and we eat at different restaurants. And um, so getting together that way gives us insight into each other, and to your needs, and to your hurts. We know who has someone at home that they're taking care of. We know who has gout. We know who has a new great-grandbaby or a grandbaby. So it helps us get acquainted with each other so that we can minister to you better. Um, also on Fridays at 9 o'clock, we meet in front of um, Chick-fil-A. We take over a table or two, and we'll visit a little bit, and then we walk. And some of us walk fast. Some can't keep up with them. Some walk slower. And that has just been something that's been happening. It's been good, even for my husband. He says, I think it's helping me. Mm -hmm. So um, you're invited to do that. I will not be in town for the next two Fridays, but it seemed like some of our people said they may go anyway. But after the next two Fridays, we'll be getting 
Chick-fil-A at the mall. Did I not say at the mall? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't walk around Menards. and <laughs> No, we go to the mall and stay inside. And we're there before the store opens when we're there at 9. So it's quite open. You will actually see a lot of friends, probably, if you've been in Cheyenne a while. You run into people from other churches and, and some that you've been acquainted with. So um, those are some of the things we're doing. I feel like we're still just getting started because we haven't been working at this but much more than about 12 months. And... Uh, so we have many more things that we can do to minister to you. And if you have some ideas, we'd like you to get on it, too. We have done some crafts. Um, Dennis Bland is a, is a stamp collector, and he helped us make some uh, bookmarks and uh, made them with stamps. And, and they, they were really nice. They were used as gifts, or people kept them. And um, it's something that if you have a craft and you're interested... We would like to do more of those things because it helps us to fellowship and be together and do some things together. Not only are we ministering to ourselves, we want to minister to those that are out. At one time, we did um, gifts for our shut-ins and for those that have been ill or just out of the hospital. We did gifts for those, and um, those seem to, to be welcome because when you are down and out, Sometimes you have that feeling that no one really understands, no one cares, and there may be times where if we don't understand, we still care, and we're still praying for you, and we want to put our arms around you and say, let us help in some way. We've taken meals to some people, so that's what we're doing as senior, senior adult ministry, SAN. And if any of you would like to help, right now we have six ladies that are being Dorcas's and Gazelle's and Tavis's, but um, we, we really could use a lot more. Speak to Jeannie or Martha or Pat, me, Ida, I think about four or five of us, and, um, and we'll keep you in touch as far as when we can get together and make more plans of how we can minister to our over 50 crowd. tell you I am so blessed the women in this church are so giving and in Colossians it speaks of the unity that comes through the fellowship of like-minded people and I'll tell you the ladies just know how to give and the men they're not going to volunteer for this because this is women's ministry but I'll tell you what there's a place for each of you and what God has done this year has helped us just to dig in and get to know people better. And there are so many ladies that have led the women's ministry. Did you know you've led? Maybe you haven't even attended, but you've led. Every time I use this mic, it doesn't work right. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll tone it down a little. But at any rate, I tell you. So recently, we hadn't even planned on this, but the Holy Spirit did. And there were people that were willing to share different needs. And I like to call it refreshment. And so there's been some refreshment that's been going on in the church. And many of you know who you are that has received. And because you willingly received, 
God was glorified. And many of you know who you are that gave. And because you gave, God was glorified. And I just praise him for the way he is working here in the family at sunrise. There's room for more. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I'd like to know a little bit more. Speak to me. Speak to Aretha. Speak to Iva. Speak to Jeannie. Speak to the ladies. And let's just get to know each other better. And let's share what those needs are because God's just getting started. He's been working on something for a long, long time. But he's just getting started. And we're getting to see little glimpses of that. What a beautiful body. I thank him for that. Hello. Um, I help with the family promise and invite everybody in the church to uh, do the same. Uh, about every two and a half months, we volunteer three hours over at the Presbyterian Church um, that's located at 220 West 22nd Street. And we uh, usually, I stay from 5 to 8 and ask for somebody to volunteer their time for an hour. The opportunities of working, finding a home, paying their bills, and these kinds of things. I did want to tell you a story about a lady that uh, came into the program. She had moved here from Rock Springs. And uh, she has... Uh, I believe it was a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old. And um, her friend that she'd known for many years talked her into coming to Cheyenne to uh, enjoy our wonderful city and wanted a built-in babysitter. And when this woman confronted her and said, you know, I see what you're wanting here and this is not what I came here for, she says, well, let me give my children to you then. <laughs> Who does this? But um, anyhow, when she wouldn't take the children and confronted her, the woman said, well, you can't live here anymore. Thank God for family promise, because she found out through about family promise and was not put on the streets with her children. She was working. She had been working for several years and had found a job here before she moved here. She had transportation, but she just needed some help. And she has been such a success um, in our community. And uh, her children are in school. She stayed here because she has a life here now. And that's just one of the many successful stories. Um, also, while I have an opportunity, I would love for one or two people to volunteer their time for this coming Saturday between 6 and 8, either 6 to 7 or 7 to 8 or 6 to 8. So that is um, family promise. We don't want any of our children living on the streets. And so there's just some of what we, we do around the church. We have other things that we do, and, and we try to 
talk about those things from time to time. As Pastor Luke opened the service, we, we took our teens and, uh, and went up to rejoice last weekend. As many of you know, we joined, we had 125 students and about 50 to 75 adults and kids um, that were up there during that time. And, and we, we challenged the students on the theme, Reckless Love based on, on the worship song and, and the fact that God's love seems reckless to the world around us, but when we embrace it, it makes all the sense in the world. So, so if our teens would come on up at this time, you've been, you've been warned and told that you are going to do this, so come on up and <laughs> give us a little something about, about your weekend. And, um, oh, now it's on. <laughs> so it was really fun. It was a really fun weekend. I got to spend time with all my friends. I got to get closer with them. I got to get, uh, got to get closer with them and with God. So it was really, really successful weekend. Um, talked about reckless love. Um, the speaker was really, really good. She talked about uh, her first, the first night. She talked about how um, Jesus was telling a parable about um, how he there is a shepherd and one of his sheep was missing so he leaves the 99 in the rest of his flock and goes and finds this other sheep and it seems reckless and not smart at all but he's he it, that's reckless love he goes and finds you when even if you have to leave the 99 and it was just a really cool story and it was a really cool like way that we got to see reckless love through Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so I really liked Rejoice. It was really fun, and I got to hang out with these people, no matter how much I hate this one. <laughs> but anyways, so, yeah, and Dan. Okay, calm down. But, um, so, one thing that I really enjoyed was us women went to a woman in ministry class with the speaker, which was, her name was Megan, I think, and um, <laughs> and we went there, and I was called to ministry. I don't know what type of ministry yet or how that's going to fit in with everything, but I'll figure it out, so yeah. All right, um, during Rejoice, I did get closer with all my friends in the youth group, um, especially um, Jonathan, he's not here right now, but me and him really hit it off. Um, during Rejoice, I didn't really feel a call yet, but I did feel that me and God really got closer together. We, during the past year, a whole bunch of stuff happened to me personally, but not just to me, to my family, and it just really separated me from God, but Rejoice, it brought me back together with him, and I really feel way closer to him now. I'm starting to read my Bible way more, and just awesome. All right. Um, I really enjoyed Rejoice. It was a nice time to fellowship with fellow teens, and I definitely got closer to these three, plus Jonathan, Daniel's brother. And I'm not really sure what kind of was going on like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like God said something, but I haven't quite figured it out. So I'm still working on figuring out what he said, 
so I don't know, but I enjoyed. Um, I think it was the second night that uh, Megan did the parable of the um, two brothers, where one left and took his inheritance, and then the other brother stayed. And she kind of talked about how you look at the first brother was mad because, you know, his brother got all this stuff and left and then was welcomed back lovingly, and he's been there doing work. And the father's like, hey, you had your inheritance still. This is pretty much all yours. So it's kind of the idea that Jesus has left all this for us, and so then we bring the others in that are still finding their way. We, we what? You guys stay here a second. Sorry, you get to. Um, we'd like to thank Ben and Sarah Finch for going with our kids and Daniel and Lindsay. Lindsay's in the nursery this morning, so we'd like to thank them for leading our kids and, and taking them and putting it all together. Pa- Pastor Luke and I, we, I organize the event, and, and Pastor Luke just follows me around. Just kidding. <laughs> We, I, I told him this year I'm not trying to smile too big because next year will be my last one that I lead for the district. Uh, Caleb graduates, I graduate, and that's the deal. And, uh, but, um, but this summer, we, we've been talking for the last nine months to you guys, almost a year, about, about Nazarene Youth Conference in Phoenix. And so in the middle, middle of July, these guys and, and Sarah Day will be going with me and Pastor Luke, and, uh, and we have a total of 55 from our district uh, students and adults who are going to Nazarene Youth Conference, joining over 8,000 others from across North America for a great event, great weekend. And, and, and last year I stood up here and I announced it to you guys and I said, it's going to cost seventeen fifty to go, 1750 bucks. And I said, I don't know how, but we're going to get these kids there. And, and that was before Sarah Day even started coming. And, and so then we added one more after I already made that promise. And, uh, and, and it's cool that, that we are, we are um, a few months away from the, from the final payments being due, and, and almost all these kids are fully paid for that trip. And so, so thank you for your generosity, those of you who have been giving to them, and they've worked hard. We did the, we did the uh, football game concession stands all last fall, and, and they've worked hard mowing lawns and, and doing odd jobs for many of you last summer, too, and, and even this year. And, and so we thank you, um, and I know, I know Tanner... Tanner and Sarah are paid in full. The other three are, are really close. And, uh, and so we, we got about another month or so. We're going to get them over that hump soon, and, uh, and it will work out. So it will be great. And, and so thank you guys, and thank you so much for sharing with us. <laughs> There's so much that is required of us to be the church and, and that was our, our inspiration through going through the book of Acts and taking seven months to go through the book of Acts so that we could, we could take times like this to share with each other what we're doing as a church, to share what, what we could be doing as a church, to share what other churches are doing, to try to become creative and be better neighbors to our families around us, and to just be the church in Cheyenne and be who God has called us to be. And as we read through the book of Acts, we see that all these guys and all these people from Tabitha to Peter to all the other disciples and all the, Paul and all the others that we'll read about, they did it because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we talked about that at the beginning of the series in January, about being filled with the Spirit. But today's example is found in the sacrificial life of Tabitha. The Sunrise Church is called to demonstrate today's passage as we strive to be God-centered and community-focused 
And there's a few things in closing that I believe that we can get from the book of Acts that I believe is still something that we need to, to strongly encourage. Number one, I believe we are called to serve those who are less fortunate, just like Tabitha. The Lord has given us the necessary time and resources to reach out to the, in the name of Jesus to each other and to those in our community. The Lord has called us to impact the lives of those around us like Tabitha did. And so it's time to quit making excuses because there's always one more thing that has to be done. There's always not enough money. There's always not enough, enough possessions to share. But when we pool together, we're able to do that and reach out to those who need it. The second thing I, I found is I believe that God has called us to a deeper faith. Faith that will pray and fast through the impossible times together, through the ups and downs as, as we experience as a, as a church family. Okay, and I say this all the time. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different things we like. We all have our preferences and the way we do things, and it doesn't always match up, does it? <laughs> Sometimes we get our feelings hurt. Sometimes we clash a little bit. Sometimes we don't always agree. But God calls us to, to work through that together into a deeper faith that, that then, then it, people see on the outside as they watch us and as they come and visit the Sunrise family, they see that we are a family that is united, that yes, we have disagreements, and yes, we don't get along all the time, but when it comes down to it, there is no questioning that we are on the same page together, moving forward, sharing God's love with each other and with our community. And so I believe God has called us as a people to continually grow and deepen our faith and put it into practice. The last quick thing for you, I believe that the Lord has called us to possess greater spiritual courage. It took a lot of courage for the people and when we read the scripture, and I didn't even focus on that in this scripture today, but those people said, hey, Peter's 11 miles away. Let's go get him and see if he can raise Tabitha from the dead for us. We're not ready for her to go. There's a lot of courage involved with that, especially 11 miles in that day and age. Okay, that took about five hours to walk that far. And then they had to go there and they had to find Peter and then they had to tell him the whole situation and hope he didn't laugh in their face. And then Peter had to come back and Peter had to take courage and come back and say, all right, Lord, let's see what happens. And he prayed. It took great faith and great courage to believe that the Lord will do what he says he will do and that the Lord will use us to reach our community and reach the people around us and love each other. We see in Joshua chapter 1, we see that Moses has passed away and the Israelites are left kind of wondering what's next. What are we doing? And we see in, in, in verse 9 the bold claim of God to his people. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The same command is set for us. The Lord is calling us to be strong, to have spiritual courage, to do the things he has called us to do, to step out and, and just take faith that he will take care of us. And so maybe we don't need to sit back any longer. Maybe we need to start finding new ways that we continue to reach our neighbors and reach those in our community around us. We just need to be stronger and more courageous in our faith. Our community desperately needs Tabitha's. We need people who are willing and ready for something to happen around us that can only be attributed to the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit working through us. We need people who are completely surrendered and willing to accomplish the impossible message of Jesus Christ to share it with those around us. We need people who are courageously seeking the Holy Spirit's anointing on their lives. 
who are then able to tap into that power and courageously share the faith, share the good news of Jesus Christ at work and at school, at home, everywhere we go, regardless of what it may mean to our personal reputation sometimes. Sunrise family, we need to be the people who are following the command of Jesus. We started the book of Acts with one scripture, the scripture that is the outline for the entire book of Acts and is the the primary purpose for why the book of Acts is written and why the people are doing what they do. The words of Jesus in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. I'm just going to stop there because we can add to Cheyenne, to Wyoming, to the ends of our earth, to the ends all around us. And so we can see the story of Tabitha and we can see how much she loved the people around her and how she, because of the Holy Spirit working through her, had such a large influence and had an influence on two groups of people who were separated, but she was still willing to step up and do what it took. And that's what we need to continue to come together as a Sunrise family to be Tabitha to each other and to our communities. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for all that you do for us. We just pray now that that you give us your spirit. Give us your courage. Give us your strength. Help us to be a church that serves you in all that we do. Help us to be a church that follows through when you lead us and when you guide us. Lord, help us to be the people you've called us to be, to be God-centered and community-focused so that those around us know without a doubt that we are your followers sharing your love. And that's what unites us and that's what bonds us together. Just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.